Hey, what's going on? Today is the first day of June, and it feels like after a week of not being on the mic, the world is completely different, completely changed in a way that many thought the world could not get worse right now, at least in America. It has. And chaos is going amongst all the craziest cities in the country. Boston, L.A., Detroit, Minneapolis, all over the country, even Salt Lake City, which caught my eye and I really didn't think it would get crazy out here, but it did. And this guy got out of his car, who, by the way, wasn't even from Utah. He was in California the same day, causing havoc there. He got out of his car in Utah with a bow and arrow. And was threatening to shoot people with it. This was about 10 minutes from where I live. Thankfully, I wasn't in town. And you will hear about why. But I wasn't in town. So when we got back this yesterday, we found out about everything that was going on in the world. It was crazy. I left on Friday for this trip and got back on Sunday. And like, it was pandemonium. But hey, this is Colorful Convos with Nico. I'm going to do my best to get you cheerful and get your mind off what's going on in the world. Of course, I'm going to talk about it because I have an opinion. But hey, this is episode eight. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go. I grew up in the age of Timberland and Pharrell shit. I grew up in the age of Timberland and Pharrell shit. So, got back from this uh, weekend trip. Uh, we had been planning on going um, to southern Utah uh, with a group of friends, and we did. And we went to this really nice hidden area. Uh, they call it the Little Grand Canyon. Uh, super remote, no service, no plumbing, no nothing, uh, and it was so fun. Uh, we got, I got to meet a bunch of new people, uh, a bunch of really, really cool people with like all different types of stories and opinions, and just really nice, cool people to to meet. And now I feel like I have uh, some new friends, so it was really good weekend, and um, <laughs> we had some fun. Uh, me. I took a trip within the trip, if you know what I mean, and I uh, got to experience that on Saturday uh, in the wilderness and in a lake and I uh, sorry, in a river, uh, just with the water and all the scenery. It was awesome. It was such a good experience. Uh, I had a really good time. Um, it was awesome and highly recommend it. I think if, if you just kind of need like a, a new set of eyes or a new set of reality for a sec and maybe just kind of cleansing your body and your mind man like I came out on Saturday from my experience like feeling so good uh feeling so refreshed so in touch with nature and stuff so I had an awesome time there and yeah so that was like kind of the majority of my trip we uh did a lot of campfire sitting and talked a lot we did a lot of like personal stories and like gotten like really good conversations and like 
real deep connections with some strangers, which was really like humbling to be able to kind of just like open up to this group of people and kind of just express uh, your best qualities about yourself or your least favorite qualities, like, you know, just learning and listening to other people. It was such an amazing trip. Uh, I can't wait to do it again. I hope we do it again soon. It was so fun. And yeah, but on Saturday, we were um, sitting around the campfire late at night. Like a majority of people had gone to bed already because it was so hot that day. I'm talking like, guys, I'm talking like 98, 100 degrees, dry heat, like in the desert, man. Like I am not good in the heat at all. Like at all. I'm not good in the heat. Like I sweat so much. It's a problem, guys. And I don't know what to do about it. But like I overheat doing anything. I walk outside and I'm overheating. I lay down and I like overheat sometimes. I don't know. It's a problem, but I got to get it figured out. There's like this thing. I'm, I could get like, I think Botox surgery to like lessen my sweat. I don't know if I want to do that, but like maybe like Khloe Kardashian looks like she's doing fine with her Botox. Oh, so <laughs> um, we are on this trip. We were sitting around the campfire and we started talking about everyone was drunk, high, all that. We were talking about the weirdest kinks that people have. So people went around like, oh, I love, uh, you know, I love slapping guys asses. Like, I love this. I love uh, net kisses. I love <laughs> one kid said he loves to eat ass full face, like straight face, like didn't blink. Like that's what he likes to do. <laughs> uh, so yeah, people were just kind of going around talking about uh, what they liked. So it got my mind thinking, I was like, okay, so like, if this is what they like, like what do like the rest of the world like? So I looked up the weirdest kinks I had never heard about. Okay. This is on Huff Post. And I looked up just the weirdest sexual fetishes you and I have never heard of. And some of them are so funny. So here we go. <laughs> so let's see. We'll start with acrotomophilia. Acrotomophilia. And that is the arousal to amputees, meaning that if someone is missing a limb, you are so turned on by it, all you want to do is go to them. <laughs> so that one kind of weird. Like I like, of course, if you were an amputee, like you're still a human being and all that, but like for someone to be like obsessed with you and like that's your arousal, like that's what turns you on, like that's kind of weird. So <laughs> let's see, let's see what's the next one. Oh um <laughs> okay, so the opposite of acrotomophilia is apto aptomenophilia, which is the arousal to oneself as an amputee, meaning that like you get turned on by the thought of yourself being an amputee. Oh. <laughs> That's so weird. All right. This one's funny. Melissa Philia. Nico, are you obsessed with girls named Melissa? No. It is the arousal to bees and wasps, meaning that the bee movie is your ultimate climax. <laughs> oh, 
my God. Bees? Dude, there were so many bees where we were this weekend. Like, if one of the kids just, like, walked up and was like, dude, you see the fucking stinger on that wasp, dude? Oh, my God. Like, what do you do? How do you find out you're attracted to that? You know? Like, how do you one day just look at the bee and you're like, to be honest, dude, she's she's kind of hot. Like, what? Like, let's see. Uh, <laughs> okay, the psychrophilia. This one's crazy. The arousal to being cold and watching others who are cold. Meaning if someone is shivering next to you, you are full turn on. <laughs> like, you are like, wow, you're shivering. Oh. Like, that's so weird. Like, who likes to be cold? Like, I like to be cold at night, but, like, I'm not turned on at night by being cold. You know, like, I don't blast the fan at myself, open all the windows, and put an ice pack on my balls, and I'm like, oh, my God, this feels so good. Who does that? Who does that? So, let's see. This one, This one freaked me out. And, like, I know that this is a fetish already, but, like, I didn't know the name of it. And I know there's, like, a big, like, porno following for this kind of shit. Urophilia, which is simply you're aroused to someone peeing on you. What? Dude, how much money would it take for someone to pee on you? Have you ever thought about that? I have. And you know what my answer is? Nothing. But it is funny to think about someone getting pissed on because I, in high school, we were in a locker room setting and some kid pissed on another kid's leg and that shit was hilarious. However, I did not, again, quote, did not get turned on by that man peeing on somebody else. And I can't believe that there's people in life that fucking do that. Jesus. Like, oh, all right, here we go. This this one's so funny. <laughs> all right, ready? Xylophilia. Oh, you must love touching a xylophone. No, dumbass. That is the arousal to wood. Meaning if you see a two by four, your four is hard as hell. Means if you go outside and see a tree... You are full tilt. What? What? Why? Like when? Like I can't, I can't have, I can't invite you over to a fire at my house because when we use the wood, you're just going to be full, you know? Or like, you're just like, oh my God, if I ever see someone licking a piece of wood, you're immediately getting the fuck out of my house, out of the state, out of the country, out of the universe. Get out. Don't come back. No one needs you here. If you are a human termite, go fuck yourself. Okay? If you're a human termite, go fuck yourself. I'm over it. Over it. So yeah, that... that like, what's your weird fetish you know like i don't have any like weird ones you know like i'm i'm not i'm not doing any of that like formicophilia the arousal to insects speaking of insects dude i uh, we were camping last day we were getting ready to pack up we're walking to the river for one last swim 
And I shit you not, guys, the biggest spider I had ever personally seen in a wild setting was walking on the sand. This thing was probably the size of like a half dollar, if you know what I'm talking about. The legs were so defined. His back part was thick. Like he, oh, dude, I, I'm getting chills just thinking about him. Like, I, thankfully, nothing came in our tent. Nothing like was like really scary about the trip. But I know people who do go camping, and like the craziest shit happens to them. Like my friend once, he went camping with his family. They were in Michigan. I want to say they were like in the northern part of Michigan and they went to bed and they woke up and there was a garter snake, which is not scary, but a snake in my tent, no matter what I leave, I'm not, I'm done. Trips over trips fucking over. I'm not in no way going to sleep where a snake has been. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Get out. So camping was great. Tell me about some insect stories in your tent or some spider stories in your tent camping. I would love to hear them. Or if you've ever had like a bear or something, like I would love to hear that stuff. Like that shit's like really funny sometimes, but it's also terrifying. So terrifying. So tell me about. Uh, your your camping stories. I had a great experience camping. This was like my first time camping, like real camping, not like that bullshit camping and fucking you pay $150 for the lot. No, not that. It was we had to drive over the fucking rocks to get down to this remote area and we had to set camp. We had to do all that shit. It was great. It was an amazing experience and I think everyone should do it. We as humans should be able to go into nature and like live and be comfortable because nature is all around us all the time. And like, dude, it was so fun. It was very eye opening. I'm very humbled by my experience. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to do it again. But yeah, tell me about some like crazy camping story that you've had um, with an animal or an insect and all that. And if you have a weird fucking fetish that I read, <laughs> that I read. Like, if you like to get pissed on, or if you like wood, or if you're a, a, addicted to insects, or any of that shit, stop listening. <laughs> like, kind of weird. Kind of weird, guys. So, yeah. Seeing some of the videos of, like, people protesting, and all the, the commotion, and the cops just, like, not doing a good job at all. Like, it's, it's really crazy, and there are very... Like cops are good and there's bad cops. Like there's, there's a, you have to be able to separate them. And I'm not going to really get into that. Like what that guy did in Minneapolis, he deserves to be tried and deserves to be put in jail for murder. Plain and simple. Like that's an easy answer. If you don't believe in that, then it's just something's wrong with you and you need to reflect and think about what you think about yourself, other human beings. What's your mindset? Because that was just plain murder. That's easy. Okay. The protesting and stuff, everyone has a right to protest that, that stuff. That's how this country was founded. That's how we have gotten major things changed in the country that unquestionably, if there's 
a big following and support for a movement or something, people should be able to protest, no doubt. And 99% of the people, they're doing it the right way. The 1% of people that are doing it with destroying uh, like local businesses and stuff, like some of these businesses like didn't barely make it through the COVID situation. So for them to go through that and be able to survive somehow and now having to deal with this and completely unrelated to them from a small business standpoint, getting their businesses destroyed and all that, that's just, I feel horrible for those people. Horrible. Because they might believe the same thing that the people are protesting, but some of these ignorant, reckless rebels are just destroying buildings because they're getting some form of uh, arousal from it. And maybe there's a fetish for that. I don't know. But maybe they're all just addicted to the same fetish. But regardless, everything that's going on, it's got my mind thinking uh, about a book that I read back in high school that really stuck with me even to this day. And I'm sure you guys read it in high school or you have read it in your life because it's such a monumental book. And I'm talking about 1984 by George Orwell. And that book at the time was kind of like, crazy because they were just talking about the future and what the future was going to look like and all that. So what I did is I looked up, what did the book get right? Okay. If you've read the book, you're going to be like, I remember this. Okay. And we're going to compare it to what reality is like now. So 1984 by George Orwell versus 2020 reality. Okay. So in 1984, he writes about the state that was determined what constituted acceptable speech in keeping society orderly, okay? The state determined. Now, it is a small private sector of Silicon Valley companies and their executives that wield absolute power permitted what we can do and say online. So back in the day, the state controlled it. Now, like four companies control it. In 1984, there was just a few countries to which most of the world's citizens belong. In 2019, there are just a few social media empires to which most of the world's net citizens belong. In 1984, it was the state that conducted surveillance and censored speech. In 2019, social media companies control all of it, flagging those that commit thought crimes and deleting their violations from existence. People like social media companies control everything we can say. If they don't like it, like Twitter did it this past weekend to our own president. If Twitter doesn't like what the president is saying and condones it as violent speech, they can take it away from you. Your freedom of speech gone like that. Twitter can do that. They did it to the president for good reason, because he was just threatening violence and all this shit. 1984, those who committed particularly egregious thought crimes or had histories of them were banished into non-existence. All traces of them deleted. In 2019, social media companies can ban you for whatever reason, whenever they want, in a second. They can monitor all your posts, wipe them all away without you even having a trace or an ex able to get them back. Because when we delete something on our end, that doesn't get deleted. 
it just gets kind of pushed away into this like trash file that's going to exist forever. But social media companies can just at one click delete your social media presence like that. It's overwhelming. 1984, those ever-present telescreens were both information conveyors and surveillance devices that saturate both public and private spaces with cameras and microphones that were monitored by the government. In 2009, does that sound familiar to you? It's your phone, your smartphone. Your smartphone now gives you everything you need at the drop of a fucking pin. You have access to information all over the world. Let me like look up like this. This is how crazy fucking the information on, on technology is. I'm going to look up just the word George Floyd right now on the internet. 278 million results in 0.7 seconds. Does that not blow your mind? You can know anything about anything in less than a second. You can teach yourself. You can educate yourself. You can ruin yourself with the information you look up online in less than a second. Like that is absolutely mind blown. And in the book, those screens are in our hands now. It's incredible. And the scariest part is, guys, that... They are watching, maybe not all the time, but they can hear and trace and know where you are within a split second. But the scariest part is about all this smart technology is that we're not even just adding it to our phones anymore. We're adding it to our refrigerators, our toasters, our watches, thermostats, doorbells. Like you are constantly being monitored. And I don't want to freak you out or anything, but that's just the way it fucking is. Like, you can't be oblivious to that kind of stuff. It's crazy. In 1984, the government uses the surveillance state to nudge each member of its citizenry towards a desired state. Now, in 2019, private companies do the same. They build up behavior and interest profiles on each user, and they use the nudge them towards monetizing their behaviors like this book is just predicting like everything we do now it is it's overwhelming how some of these set almost like he he wrote the book george orwell wrote the book in it wasn't 1984 i know that it was in he wrote that in uh, 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 1949. So he wrote that 70 years ago about what 1984 was going to be like. 70 years later, it's even more than what he predicted now than what he thought it was going to be 30 years ago. It is overwhelming to think that this guy had this vision that we were going to be controlled by these screens and we were going to have all this shit going on and all this violence going on like predicted all of it 
It is so freaking crazy. So if you haven't read the book, go read the book, freak yourself out for a sec, and then reflect and be like, wow, how crazy is this? Another thing that's been going on with all this George Floyd is Anonymous, the hacker group, is back. They are in full support of the George Floyd situation, and they are doing everything they can to expose the Minneapolis State Police Department, the, um, uh, sorry, the Minneapolis Police Department. They're using everything to exploit a lot of high-ranking figures and stuff. And Anonymous is back, and they had been releasing documents for the past two days, like bringing out like all this stuff about Princess Diana and all this shit about Trump and all this shit about Jeffrey Epstein. So if you haven't watched that new Netflix documentary on Jeffrey Epstein, do it. Four episodes, an hour long each. Binge it tonight. Watch it. He's a piece of shit. This guy, like, last year when he killed, when he quote unquote killed himself and he, uh, all this shit started to come out about him. Like, I had never heard of him really, but like, when you watch the documentary, this guy has been doing what he was convicted of doing since the early 90s. 1996, to be exact, actually. So, not even. 1996, this guy commits his first two rapes of children, somehow manages to put this away, and then continues to do it up until 2000, I think 2012 or something like that. But this guy was like the Gatsby figure of New York. He had this $77 million house apartment in New York, which I didn't even know you could fucking have an apartment that much, cost that much. He had houses in New Mexico, Paris, uh, Arizona. He had houses in Florida. He had houses, like, dude, this guy was all over. He had an island. This guy, he's a piece of shit. And Anonymous, that hacker group, has been fucking, like, sending out all these court documents and stuff, basically saying that, the U.S. government and, like, top officials protected this guy for some reason. And maybe we'll never know why, but it was interesting because he also talks about our president uh, being involved in it. Re- Anonymous released documents with both their names on it, like, saying that they, like, dude, the world, 2020, we're halfway through. It's June 1st. We have gone every fucking month from January, from Kobe dying to now. There has been so much shit happening in the world. This next six months, guys, is going to be so crazy. And I hope it's crazy because I hope justice and I hope positivity and all that comes to light. And I hope the world can somehow start to get back to normal. But in terms of lawsuits and in terms of stuff, Coming out, the tip of the iceberg, guys, we are starting to see it, but there is so much more shit that's going to be coming from all of this. Like, it's going to be interesting. November is only 
five months away. Like, it's so crazy. Like, the whole world could be changed more than it already has in this next six months than it was in the first six months. So keep going. Get through this shit. Watch that Netflix documentary. That's that new fucking... You, everyone's got to watch it. You have to watch it to learn about what the potential caliber of the information they're exposing mixed with the anonymous leaks that they're exposing. Like, what's going to come up from it? Like, there can't just be silence. There's too much noise already in the world for there to be silence. So watch that Netflix documentary for sure. Uh, it's kind of crude. It's kind of dark, but it's good. It's good. Like you have to, like you should knowledge yourself on things like this. I think people should watch stuff like that. If you become more knowledgeable about situations and you reflect and you like look at your own morals and beliefs and it's great. So watch that Netflix documentary. Let me know what you think about it. Um, yeah. So anyway, new music, crazy new music this week. Felt like there was so much good music that came out. Um, so let's start. So Tones and I, uh, Dance Monkey, Bad Child, like all those hits already, like so cool. Tones and I, so fucking cool. I love her voice. Um, they released a new song called um, You're So Fucking Cool. And it's so good. So good. You're So Fucking Cool by Tones and I. Look it up. Quinn92 released uh, his self-titled A Letter to Myself song with Logic. Uh, Quinn 92 is good. I like his music. He has some very good songs that I always listen to, but I, I can't get over the fact that he sounds almost the exact same in every song. And the songs almost sound the exact same every time. And like, I like it. You're making good music, but it's like, kind of like Chelsea Cutler too, where like, she's great, super talented, but like, Every song I almost feel like has the same like meaning or background or feeling. Like I get the same feeling from every song that is the same. And I think the best artists make you feel different in every song that they make or every project that they release. Like they they pull on different emotions and feelings and you they use better beats and different noises and like everything just sounds different, different production, all that kind of shit. Like, I feel like Quinn and Chelsea Cutler, like, they're great and they have great music. Like, Your Shirt by Chelsea Cutler is one of my fucking all-time bops. Like, Another Day in Paradise by Quinn's a bop forever. But, like, it's a good song, the new one. And Logic's verse is pretty good. It's good to hear Logic being back. Like, Logic's been taking a break. So it's nice to hear him on some features again. So it's pretty good. Check that out. I think he's releasing an album in the summer. Kygo released a new album. Kygo is so good. Kygo's timeless. He's a top five DJ forever. Watch that Kygo um, documentary on Apple. Shows like his tour and his work ethic and his uh, how much music means to him and his story. That's a really good watch. And you should listen to the album. My favorite song is the one with Zach Brown on it. Zach Brown's such a Zach Brown's the only country artist that I like really. Um, so his voice is super good, and Kygo really fucking does a good job um, with that song. Uh, without uh, Avicii blending the country and EDM phase with um, Wake Me Up, Kygo I don't think does, 
the Zach Brown collaboration, you know? So it's so cool to see like Avicii when he did it in 2013 and now Kygo doing it in 2020, combining two genres. Like it's so refreshing and Kygo's like so talented and so good. I saw him once live and it was amazing. And I know his tours are even bigger and better now. So I hope I can see him live soon. So Kygo album, check that out. Rosalia and Travis Scott collabed again. Um, she was on the highest in the room remix, but they did a song called TKN. Rosalia is so comfortable. She's gorgeous. She's amazing. Just a bad bitch, period. Incredible lyrics, incredible voice. The song's good. Rosalia's better than Travis Scott in it. Um, Travis Scott does some Spanish and shit. It's okay, but not as good as Drake in Spanish. Not as good as Bieber in Spanish, in my opinion. Um, Roses, that song on TikTok, the I'm gonna call you flexing on that one so the original um future remixed it and it goes so fucking hard guys so hard future is a goat for life his switch ups his flow like anytime a future song comes on you have to bob your head like no matter what the lyrics are no matter what he's saying every beat in just song is just hot I love Future. Uh, he switches up in the middle and just drops a sick verse. So good. Definitely check that song out. And my artist spotlight for the week. Uh, if you've never heard of James Blake, stop what you're doing and go listen to Retrograde. or Yeah, Retrograde and uh, Assume Form, his two albums. Uh, Assume Form came out last year, and that's when I really started to follow James Blake more. Uh, he has a song called Mile High with Travis Scott and Metro Boomin. And it's such a vibey, like, trippy song. So good. He has a song with Rosalia um, on that album as well. And then another good song is Where's the Catch with Andre 3000, the GOAT, Andre 3 Stacks. Um, and I'm not just saying it. Like, Eminem says that Andre is the GOAT. Like, maybe I don't view it personally as the GOAT because I never listened to Andre that much in depth and stuff but like for Eminem and like all those big artists to say that Andre is the goat like for James Blake to have him it's a must listen so James Blake assume form crazy song uh and yeah that's that's it <laughs> that's it like I feel like this episode is kind of hard to do sometimes with everything going on in the world uh it's kind of hard sometimes to find some positive light and maybe try to be funny, but some of these things just aren't funny and they're real. And yeah, get your get your butt ready, <laughs> get your ass ready for the rest of this fucking year. 2020 has maybe kicked your fucking ass. It's kicked the world's ass, but you have to just wake up every day and just be grateful to be alive and grateful to to be. Uh, where you are and know that even at your worst times, you're still healthy, hopefully, and you're still alive. Even when you're sad, um, it's grateful to just be here. Just be thankful for the small things, you know? So get through the rest of this year. I've had so much fun doing this. Episode uh, eight, it feels like I've been doing this for a while now, and I love it. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still listening, if you're a new listener, welcome. Um, make sure you guys 
rate and subscribe to the show to keep up with it. And next week, I said last episode that uh, my buddy Christian Troff was going to be on it, but it's next Monday. We're going to have a good conversation about maybe about what's going on in the world. And he's in Grand Rapids, so we're going to see how crazy Grand Rapids is in all this and and all that. And, yeah, I can't wait. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, get through this week. And I'll see you guys next week.